My name's Pastor Nick, and uh, it's my privilege to bring a message to you guys today. Happy Father's Day. I hope some of you fathers have been treated to a full fry-up in bed. Yeah? Anyone been treated to breakfast in bed? Any dads? No? Oh, oh, one. Fantastic. Great. So that, that's great. Um, so I got a card this morning, and um, I also got a little present uh, in a black sock, which is a pair. Oh, it's got stuck. There we go. A pair of cool shades. Look at that. How cool is that? Come on. Yeah? That's great. Now, I was tempted to preach in them, but they're quite dark, and I wouldn't be able to see you at all. Uh, that wouldn't be very good. So, uh, yeah. So, thank you for, for that, Family Whittam, for my little uh, Father's Day present. So, um, we're going to preach today on the, the person of the Holy Spirit. There are three people in God. You might know this already. You might not. But there's God the Father. There's Jesus the Son, and there is the person of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to focus on how the Holy Spirit connects us with Father God. He does amazing things, the Holy Spirit, all around the place. But this particular passage of the Bible we're going to look at is about how he connects us with the Father. Now, here we have plywood person. Uh, Is Ian in the house anywhere? Uh, There you are, Ian. Would you just mind quickly standing up and giving us a wave? Is that all right? Ian is our ops manager, and there is no woodwork that Ian can't do. So uh, Ian helps me with this. Give him a round of applause. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Ian is a very capable guy, and he helped me cut this out. We projected the image on the wall, we drew around it, and then he finished it off and cut it out in wood. Uh, Now, we talked about the idea of painting it, making it look smart, uh, but we thought that that would not be great because there are some dads in here who need to be reminded what plywood looks like. And you need to get your DIY tools out and start looking at this stuff. Dads, this is plywood, yeah? Okay, so make some shelves, do that job that you've been putting off for years. Anyway... So this is Plywood Person, and Plywood Person is going to help us uh, with uh, teaching into the person and the role of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk, first of all, about what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, You know, sometimes we can have these fuzzy ideas, we're not really sure what a Christian is. Well, let me tell you what the most basic definition of a Christian is. A Christian is someone who says, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I just know it, I believe it, I've researched it, I've checked it out. He is the Son of God. I also believe that Jesus went to the cross for my sins, and then three days later, God raised him up again from the dead. And that I believe that as well. So those two beliefs are really key. And then the third thing is, I have decided to follow Jesus for the rest of my days. That's what a Christian is. It's someone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus went to the cross for our sins to make us right with God, and then he got raised by God on the third day, and that we've reached a decision that he is worth following for the rest of our days. You know, baptism is a public declaration that you are following Jesus for the rest of your days, and it's very similar to marriage, which is a public declaration that you are loving somebody for the rest of your days. Very, very similar ceremonies, aren't they? If you think about it in that way. Um, So having established what a Christian is, uh, we're going to then look at what happens when you become a Christian, which is that the Spirit, that's one of the people of God, jumps on the inside of you, and he takes up residence there. Now, don't be freaked out. It's not like alien or something. He comes along, and he lives on the inside of you all the time. He has, uh, uh, we have a presence of God on the inside of us. That's what happens. The minute you say yes to Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And he starts making all these differences in your life. 
Uh, it's quite an amazing thing. And today we're going to look at a, a little bit of a passage of Scripture where we see some of the things that the Holy Spirit starts to do with us and does with us the minute we say yes to Jesus. So I want you to turn with, you, uh, turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at something from Romans 8. If the whole Bible was the world, then Romans is like the Himalayas in terms of teaching. And then if we want to pick out the Everest of that, it would be Romans 8. And then if we want to pick out the very top of Everest, it would be this passage that we're looking at today, in my opinion. Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. And uh, we're going to be looking at that. Um, for those of you who are online, uh, there's a link to our YouVersion app. And it's got, there's an event in there. You can click on that, uh, both on Facebook and on YouTube. And you can open up the YouVersion. And it's already laid out for you there. Um, so Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. We're going to read that uh, through. It says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may also share in his glory. Romans 8, 14 to 17. Now, I'm going to use uh, some little bits off of here that I've got ready, um, and uh, we're going to show you what the Spirit uh, does. Let's have a look. Um, so the first thing that the Spirit does is the Spirit leads us. I'm just going to put these on here. Uh, the Spirit leads us, and I get that from uh, verse 14 there. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit. Now, that means that the Holy Spirit has this role inside of us of leading us and guiding us. That's one of the things that he does. The minute you say yes to Jesus, God the Father and, the, and Jesus say, right, Holy Spirit, could you go and be with that person, and can you lead them? Can you, can you lead him or her? That's one of the first things that the Holy Spirit does. The second thing uh, that can happen uh, is, or that, that does happen from this passage, is that the Spirit is given. Let's put that just next to there. The Spirit is given. Now, I get that from where it says, verse 15, the Spirit you received. Now, you can't receive something unless someone else gives it to you. That means that the Holy Spirit has been given to you. It's been given as a gift to you from God. So the Spirit leads us, and the Spirit is given because we've received it all. Are you with me so far? Yeah? Now, now we get to something quite interesting that Paul then says, so that, um, yeah, sorry, the Spirit you received, this is the beginning of verse 15, the Spirit you received, you've been given, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Now, I, th I would suggest to all of us that before we received Jesus, we had something going on in the inside of us that we couldn't quite see what it was. And I'll flip it around and show you because Paul identifies it for us. He says, we were slaves living in fear. Now, that seems pretty strong language, doesn't it? That's quite a strong thing to say, particularly if you feel like, well, my life's all right. I haven't needed Jesus up to now. 
and I've been just moseying along and doing my own thing, and now you're saying to me, so I was under slavery and living in fear, really? Well, the Bible is here to kind of teach us spiritual truth. Uh, And I want to talk to you about three kinds of uh, relationship that the Bible has in view when it comes to the person of God. There's the relationship of rebellion, where it's, uh, I don't accept that God's even there, and I'm going to run off and do my own thing. And then there's the, uh, that's a a stance of rebellion. Then we have um, religion. Religion says, I am striving to meet the standards of God in my own way. I'm putting in effort. There are duties and responsibilities, and I feel like obliged, and I must, and I will. And I'm going to step up and try and meet where God is at. And then there's relationship, which is actually what God wants us to have. He wants us to step into a relationship with him. So three kinds of ways of connecting with God, rebellion, religion, or relationship. Now, I'm going to suggest that when we're, when we're uh, in this space here, we're either in some kind of rebellion or in some kind of religion. And if you want a bit of a handle on that, you can have a look in Luke 15 at the parable of the prodigal son, where the youngest son goes off to the far-off land with his father's inheritance that he kind of blags out of him early, and he goes off to the far-off land and he spends all the inheritance money, and he ends up in a real state. Uh, And he's basically acted out of rebellion and then found himself in a really, really tight spot because he has to eat those things that, like, no Jewish lad should eat. You know, the pig swirl, that's really against their beliefs. And he's right at the bottom of the bottom because of his rebellion. And then the older son in the parable of the prodigal son... Uh, He is like the kind of the person who is striving to connect to the Father and be noticed by the Father, but he does it out of duty and obligation. Uh, If you remember, one of the first words he kind of says as the other son comes home, he says, well, haven't I been slaving for you all these years? And the relationship is one of of slavery. It's it's, It's under oppression. It's trying to impress God rather than just be in a relationship with God. And yet, when the father welcomes the son home, the the one that's been rebellious, there's a re-establishing of the right relationship of father and son in that incredible welcome and embrace. And, uh, you know, if if you don't know who God is today, or you're just kind of checking out church, Father God just wants to embrace you. He wants you to be welcomed home into his house. That's his heart towards us. So what's quite interesting about Romans 8 is that Romans 8 gives us a picture of what the Spirit does to get us in that right relationship with the Father. Romans 6 is like where Paul talks about uh, uh, slavery to sin, slavery to wrongdoing, slavery slavery to rebellion. Romans 7 is where Paul talks about uh, slavery to religion, being under the law. Romans 8 is where Paul talks about the Father's welcome to us, and that it's brokered for us by the Spirit. It's a, good, it's a good insight, isn't it? Romans 6, younger son. Romans 7, older son. Romans 8, right relationship with God the Father. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it's a good insight. Okay. So what then happens is uh, we've got this problem in as much as this becomes apparent to us as we become Christians. We weren't aware of it at first. When the Spirit arrives with us, we start to become aware of it. But the Spirit has more things to do. It's not just those two things. So let me uh, show you the next thing that the Spirit does. And we'll move this along. The Spirit gets us adopted. 
We are adopted by the Spirit. The Spirit brokers an adoption for us to be connected into the family of God. He basically sorts out an adoption process and we get to be connected to Father God as family. For those of us in the room who know Jesus and follow Jesus, we are part of family. Pastor Mark mentioned it earlier. We often talk about family because we are family. I'm going to unpack some of these a little bit more. I'm just giving you kind of headlines and giving you the the, the foundation as we go for, for now. Okay? Next thing that the Spirit does is the Spirit... I'm going to move this along again. The Spirit hotwires us in to our Father. He hotwires us into the Father. That means that we are directly connected to God the Father. Where before, perhaps, we weren't sure about our connection with the Father, the Holy Spirit makes it, no, you are wired in. You are part of the family. You are right in there. There is energy between us. This isn't a far off or a distant thing. This is direct, like we're in the same house. Do you you get the analogy? Do you understand? Yeah? So we are hot-wired into God the Father now because of the presence of the Spirit. That's That's the next thing that happens. However, there's still two more. The Spirit then also testifies with our spirit. And are you noticing how as the Spirit does more and more things in our lives, this stuff is starting to get edged out? That's a good thing, isn't it? We need that edged out. That, That shouldn't really be staying. But the Spirit testifies with our spirit. And I'll I'll unpack that in just a bit. But basically what a testimony is, is a testimony is a declaration of personal truth, of something that has happened to you. And what the Spirit does is he comes and tells us some things. And we receive those things. And there's a dialogue between our spirit and the Holy Spirit. And it's powerful. And I'll explain that a little bit more as we go. Now, there's one more thing that we get from Romans chapter 8, 14 to 17. Is we also get that the Spirit makes us into heirs. That means that we get an inheritance from God when we become followers of Jesus. We literally get a spiritual inheritance. Some things are handed to us that we then own and that we're part of because God has given them to us because we are in his family. And that's what happens in families, isn't it? You get given an inheritance. That's what, that's what goes on. But I want you to notice something. Is there room in the plywood person, and by analogy, us, for this any longer. This is now redundant. Now, I think this all happens the instant we receive Jesus. All of this happens. But it takes our brain and our emotions and our own understanding to wake up. We, we, we start like this. We sense that there's something there. The spirit goes like that. We then go, oh, right. And then actually the spirit edges all these things in, brings in a new kingdom. Colossians chapter 1 says we are now part of a kingdom of light not a kingdom of darkness anymore. And this, this stuff is to be gone. In fact, it is now redundant. We can get rid of this. This can go. This is what the Spirit wants to do for us, for our relationship with God. He wants to get rid of it. That slavery and that fear, and he wants to replace it with a relationship. I'm going to see if I can uh, get my entrance into the Euro 2020s with a good kick here. There we go. It's gone. We don't need that anymore. The Spirit ushers it out. You don't need to have that anymore. Spiritually, this is the truth about you when you become a Christian. Are you with me? Are you getting this so far? This is important because Paul intentionally includes that bit in this passage so you understand the edging out process that goes on. Let's go through some of these things and see what happens with these things. I'm going to unpack some of these. The Spirit leads us 
Who of you here have ever held a compass in your hand? Just give me a little wave if you've ever held a compass. You know how they work. You hold a compass in your hand and you wait for a little bit and the needle spins around a little bit and then it settles on kind of magnetic north, doesn't it? Now, it's quite a gentle thing. Actually, you can, you can disturb that with another magnet nearby and it spins around. Or you can, if you jostle it, it doesn't settle properly. A magnet, uh, sorry, a, a compass is a very good illustration of how the Spirit leads us. He does it gently. He does it truthfully. We have to wait on him a little bit. And then we get truth from him. We know where we stand. So... Out of my preach today, I'm going to tell you six truths that the Spirit gives us, and then I'm going to give you six realizations. This is not a message about, I want you to go away and do lots of things. This is a message where I want you to understand and have insight as to what, what's going on with us spiritually. So the first thing that happens, uh, one of the realizations that happens is that we have direction from God. If God puts his Holy Spirit compass on the inside of us, what does that mean? It means we have direction from God. God gives us direction, and that means that we can ask for direction from God, and he provides it by, by his Holy Spirit. We know that Pastor Mark and Kathy have had direction from God about the calling that they have in their lives. We know that, don't we? And Pastor Mark preached a great message last weekend about faith adventures and being obedient to the directioning that the Holy Spirit has put in them as a couple. We understand that, don't we? Let's look at the next one. Um, the Spirit is given. You know, one of the nicest gifts I ever had was from my mum when I was six. I had my tonsils out. Uh, I went along to this clinic. Uh, they kept me in for a couple of nights. And I, I, I bet with the nurse that I could count to ten. And you know how it goes. They put, they put you under and I counted to three and I was out. Uh, and then I woke up on the Wednesday afternoon and a very, very sore throat and I couldn't speak. And it was just like bread and margarine and milk and I couldn't manage anything spiky and crisps would have been a really bad idea. Um, and then by the, by, you know, by, the, by the Wednesday afternoon, I was starting to feel a bit better. And then my mum came to see me the, the day after, you know, the, on the Wednesday afternoon, but they didn't let her in uh, because they were trying to keep me isolated and keep me healthy. And she, they said, no, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. Uh, but I saw her walking down the path outside my window where I was and I waved to her and she saw me and she came sneaking up across the grass and we opened the window I couldn't speak because I was so hoarse and sore but she passed me this packet of felt tips through the window and I remember that gift to this day as one of the nicest gifts I've ever had because it felt like it was a gift that was impossible it was like a gift that I shouldn't have had it was just seemingly pure chance that I got it but she was able to pass it to me even though I couldn't speak do you know what? That is the gift, the nature of the gift that we have uh, get given to us by God. We are given something even though we're completely incapable of doing anything to receive it, actually. And what does that mean? Let's have a look at what that means. It means that we have worth. I spent a long time on this point, trying to understand what is it to be given something. And I think it means that we, we have worth. When you give somebody a gift, you're saying, I value you. I like you. I want to bless you. Here is something from me to you. Have this. Receive this. And I think that communicates worth from God to us in our spirit. It's a strange thing, but do you know what? If God is three people, like we said at the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, just think for a minute, how many people of God get given to us? Well, it's two. 
because Jesus is given to us, isn't he, Pastor Mark? Jesus is given to us on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So straight away, God the Father has given us Jesus. But then he's also given us the Holy Spirit. And when you've got two, if you're a three-person people, uh, person, which you're probably not, nobody here should be a three-person person, but God is a three-person person, but he's gone and get, given us two of his three persons. Did you follow that? He's given us the Holy Spirit and Jesus. That's two-thirds of him given away. We have worth, and God does that for us because he sees that we have worth and he wants to do that. Let's look at what adoption means, getting us adopted. Let's look at that. Um, let me explain a little bit about adoption first. Um, uh, something you may not know about me is that uh, when I was about 18, month old, uh, 18 months old, my biological dad and my mum split up. Um, and they had named me Nicholas James Campbell Jackson. So my surname is actually Jackson on my birth certificate, my original birth certificate. And uh, when I told my boys last week as I was preparing for this message that I have another extra middle name of Campbell, they were pretty shocked. What, you actually got a middle name of Campbell? They knew about the Jackson because I'd told them about that. But, uh, and then, uh, so that went on for a long time and I didn't know about that for ages. And then it kind of became right that I got adopted by my stepfather who married my mum when I was about 18 months. And so we went to Kent County Council Court, which was in Maidstone, and um, went to see the judge. And the judge said, uh, so do you want to become a Whittam? And I went, yeah. And then they said, and the judge said, great, so that's done then. And it was like a five-minute court session for him. Um, and I went out a Whittam instead of a Jackson. So I got officially adopted into the family uh, by that process. Now, the Romans did this a lot. They adopted people, and they had a ceremony for it in the same way. And so if you were a wealthy landowner in, in Rome in about 100 BC, for instance, and you had no children and you had no means of passing on the estate and the privileges and the status that you had in your society, you could go to somebody who wanted to sell themselves to you. Uh, and I know that sounds really awful, but actually listen to the way the exchange works. They would, they would become an heir. They would become a, a part of the family. They would in, inherit all the rights and the privileges and the freedom, uh, and all the debts would be got rid of, and they would take on that estate. They would become part of that family, and they would receive an uplift in their status like nothing else. It was a massive deal and such a blessing. And this is what Paul has in mind when he talks about adoption. We get all of that when we get adopted into God's family by the Holy Spirit. Um, now, what that means for us is that we get to be included in God's family. We are part of the family. And being part of the family is that means that you and I are daughters and sons of God strolling around the king's courts. And we have significance and acceptance and security and permission and uh, authority and confidence. We have all those things because those are privileges of being in God the Father's family. So not only is God as king, God is father, and we're connected by adoption. And the spirit is the person who brokers that adoption for us. Here's the fourth thing. The spirit hotwires us into our father. Now, why do I say hotwires? Well, when you hotwire a car, you take away the need for a permission. You take away the key, don't you? And you link the car, you break the steering lock, and off you go, and you've got energy, and you can drive. You don't need a key. Well, that's what I want to say about what goes on here in Romans 8. You don't need a key anymore. You are in the family. You have permission. You have energy straight from the Father. And by that energy that the Spirit puts on the inside of you, you can cry out to him. You can cry out, Abba, Father. 
Now, Abba is an Aramaic word which means daddy or papa, and you can still hear it said today in Israel, if you go to Israel and a you know, kid cuts their knee in the street, they will run to their daddy and they'll shout, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's a term of real close familiarity with their father. That's what goes on when we're adopted. And I just want to, we're hotwired, sorry, into our father. This means that you can cry out to your father. That's what that means. We can cry out to the father and he hears us. We're in the family. We We have all the permission we need. In fact, the permission isn't something that needs to be set up. We just have it. It's just there. There's no arrangements to go through. We're in it. It's like people who say, uh, do, you, do you go to church? Well, yeah, I do, but I don't go to church. I am church. Yeah. It's like you don't say, I go to family. I am family. You get that? Right. And that's what happens here. We can cry out to God as our Father because we are connected directly to him. Let me give you a brief illustration. Uh, we have, we've called this illustration or come to know this story in our family as the cat-shaming episode. Okay, follow me on this, the cat shaming episode. Uh, so one morning I woke up uh, uh, and there was this an immense racket outside uh, and it was birds cawing, uh, crows going rah, 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 like this really, really loudly. Five o'clock in the morning, uh, really disturbing my sleep, really, really loud, really intense, was going on for ages. So I opened the window to see what was going on and these two crows um, were, were raising the alarm They'd had a baby chick. The, the baby couldn't quite fly yet. It was stuck down behind the back, of the back of the shed. And there was a kind of marmalade tabby cat on the prowl looking to get this little baby bird. And the, crow was really, the crows were really going for it. They were crowing really, really loudly. They were intense. There was no, there was no let up. This went on for 20 minutes. They, the cat and the crows took no notice of me whatsoever. They were involved in their massive drama. Did the crows need permission to cry out for their kid? No, they did not. They just got straight on with it, and they cried out as loudly as they could. And in fact, what's really kind of cool is that in the Greek, in this, we can cry out to the Father, the Greek for for the word cry out is kradzo, which is actually what the Greeks use to describe how crows make a noise. It's like an onomatopoeic word, if you remember your English in school. Onomatopoeia is a word that sounds like the thing that it's trying to say. And so the Greeks would say, you know, crack, crack, and it would turn into a verb called kradzo. And I'm sure that kradzo links through to cry and to crow. I can't prove it, but I'm sure it's, there's a history there somewhere. So that Greek word supports the story about the crows really well. We can cry out to the Father because we are connected. We can sing out to him, we can cry out to him, we can shout to him. You know, some of us are a bit worried that we, we, if we shout to God, we're going to offend him. No, shout to God. You know, it's only when we, if we shout against God, that's a sin. And when we shout to God, that's a psalm. Do you get the difference? Yeah? You can shout to God. And some of us in this room need to ex- express our strength to God a little more than we do. We hold back. And I'm preaching to myself testifies with our spirit. This is what happens, okay? Holy Spirit. I'm the Holy Spirit for a moment. Hey, Nick, you're a child of God, my spirit. Really? I'm a child of God? Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. You're a child of God. You can walk around in the courts of the king. Did you know that? My spirit goes, really? Wow, that's amazing. How cool is that? Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
And I set it all up for you. And you can do that. And you've got permission. You've got authority. You've got confidence. You've got significance. You've got acceptance. You've got security. You belong in the house of the Father. You're there. You're it. My spirit. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Holy Spirit. That is what testifies with our spirit means. A testimony is a confirmation of something that's happened to you that you identify with. And the spirit comes and does that for us on our inside. And he connects with us. And our spirit goes, yes, I receive that. You know when you hear a testimony in church and you're like, wow, that's really great. And it it affirms you. That's exactly what is going on here. We are affirmed by testimony from the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of amazing because it's all going on on the the inside of us when we receive Jesus. And the last thing that happens is that we are made into heirs. And by heirs, that means that there's an inheritance for us. And what that means for us is that there is this understanding or this realization that we will receive at some point now and into the future. We will be receiving things from God. He will be giving us loads and loads of things during the course of our lives and into eternity because it doesn't stop with death. And we know that it doesn't stop with death because Jesus went through death and came out the other side. And he drags us through with him. That's why this doesn't end. We get led into eternity by the Spirit and by the example of Jesus. We have direction from God because the Spirit leads us. We have worth because the Spirit is given to us. We are included in God's family because we are adopted. The Spirit brokers our adoption into God's family. We can cry out to our Father God and shout, Abba, Father, because we are hot-wired into God. We have a direct power supply between us and God. There is no permission needed. We are given it. We have it already. No keys. You have it. It's already there. You have it right now. We are affirmed because the Holy Spirit does this testimony thing between his, himself and our spirit all the time. Did you know that the Spirit pray? Hey, and just an aside, the Spirit prays for us all the time. Did you know that? The Spirit, pray, this is another part of Romans 8, which is why Romans 8 is the Everest of the Bible. The Spirit prays for us to God the Father in heaven. The Spirit is going, could you just sort that out for Nick, please? Sorry, you lost the mic there. Could you just sort that out for Nick, please? Do you you get that? That the Spirit prays for us in heaven. And we will receive. There are things that God wants to put into your life that you haven't even begun to dream yet that are coming your way that he wants to bless you with and take you forward in. And then they will carry into eternity and you will get to live eternal life in heaven with God. That's our inheritance. We're going to all stand now and we're going to sing. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to encourage you uh, by responding to some of these points in this message. Romans 8, 14 to 17. Six incredible things that the Spirit does for us. Come on, stand with me and let's sing. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you.